Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Monash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest. He's a repeat guest on the show. He's none other than Mr. George Ross. George has been in business for over 60 years. He's been a partner in a major law firm in New York City for many decades. He's well known for his role as executive vice president of the Trump Organization and co-star of the TV show The Apprentice. He's the author of two best-selling books on real estate and negotiation, and he taught at the law school at NYU for over 20 years. In today's conversation with George Ross, we're talking about the retail apocalypse, what's happening in the world of retail as a result of the pandemic, and how the face of retail might be changed forever. Listen to my conversation with George Ross. Well, one of the things that we're seeing happen I listened to a podcast earlier this week with a gentleman named Harley Finkelstein. He's the chief operating officer for a company called Shopify. They're actually based out of Ottawa, Canada here. And they're known as the platform for e-commerce. They have 1.6 million stores. And if they were the actual retailer themselves, they would be the number two retailer in the world behind Amazon. Uh, So they do a tremendous volume of business through their clients. In his estimation, online business has grown from 15% of the total retail sales to 25% in the span of only a few months, which is the equivalent of accelerating uh, a decade worth of retail growth onto the online platform into literally under a year. And his perspective is that those companies that have lost that bricks and mortar retail business, they're not going to get that market share back. So I'd be interested to get your perspective as we look at what, you know, we talk about the retail apocalypse if retail opportunities come our way, whether they be to acquire retail properties at a discount or potentially to lease retail properties to potential clients, how do we know we're getting a good deal versus catching a falling knife? That's a good question. But before I get to answering that question, I want to go back a lot of the, some of the things you said, uh, I think are misleading. Uh, when you say it that way, when uh, effectively said like retail sales have, have gone up 15 to 25%, it depends on the item. It's not retail sales generally, it's, it's the item. Certain uh, aspects of retail sales are very strong and will continue to be strong. Others are not strong because you can easily do it online. So you have to differentiate between that which, which would be sold in a uh, brick and mortar store and that which can be sold easily online. And there's a big difference. For example, specialty items cannot be sold online as easily. People like to see the size, they like to see the color, like to try it on, and they like to have the opportunity to shop a whole different lines. Show you a man goes for a shirt, you may want five or six different shirts, different colors, different whatever. It's women, especially when they do specialty items. The ones that sell easily online are the ones that don't have to be pre-packaged. Cosmetics, for example, that's fine. They could be sold online uh, uh, very, very easily. Anything which doesn't require uh, individual taste or trying on. So I think it's not necessarily the big box stores which are going to disappear. I think what it'll be is the big box stores as they were known in the past because they have merchandise, they have uh, given space to merchandise which no longer has to be sold or, or appropriately can be, can be sold in, in a big department store. It's gone, it will be gone. People are not going to be there. They don't, they're don't. they not going to shop in that store. Any area of a store where you've got square footage, which is tied up in some of these things where people are easily going to buy it online, 
is inappropriate. So you have to there have to be a whole concept of restocking and individualizing what you what you're going to do. So I think what you'll see is specialized retail stores as distinct from the general department store type. And with that in mind, anyone who's go, who's who's owns retail or intends to to lease to retail should pick a retailer who has, uh, has, has got a niche in the marketplace. It's got a reputation, it's got a name, or it's got, uh, uh, it's got styles. And there's something which is unique to that retailer, not generally available. So I think that's fine. So I got a, a store like Nike that's, yeah, they sell athletic shoes. They'll do well because if somebody wanted to buy a sneaker, they got 18 sneakers, they're different kinds. The same thing with something like Foot Locker uh, would, would be, do well. The, uh, also, I think the, the electronic stores will do very well. If somebody goes in to buy a, a, a huge TV, they want to see Samsung, they want to see LG, they want to see, they're not just going to buy it on, uh, online and none of that can't be shipped, right? You got to be, got to be, who's going to set it up? So you need the, the retailer to make the, the differentiation and make, and physically to make the sale. So it's, it's a question of specific items as distinct from concept. So specific items, yes, will sell well online. Other items, no, will never be sold online or, or well. For example, you're not going to sell a car online. Guy wants to go and look, see the colors, wants to see the, the uh, take it for a test drive. You can't do that online. So uh, that's going to be, there are certain companies which, which claim they do it, but it's never going to take the place of a dealership. Same concept, the dealership would be appropriate for certain items, certain the, the work for dealerships as distinct from just a display of merchandise. So, and also understand what you're going to say, uh, as far as Shopify is concerned, he's a, a whole, he's not a wholesaler. He is a display area for shops. Correct. All right. So now, now if somebody wants to go out to buy shoes, at this, he probably has 20, 20, 25 shoe stores, which you could buy the merchandise. And he gets a commission or every time he gets a lead. So if they're looking for a specific specific store of the, with the merchandise, they can probably go through Shopify. He'll make some kind of deals and say, yeah, if you go through Shopify, you get coupons, you get all this. And he's that's different from Amazon. Amazon is a combination wholesaler and retailer. Some merchandise they stock. Fine. Other merchandise, they don't stock, but they sell, but they got somebody else to deliver it. And they have an arrangement with the manufacturer or the, or the warehouse to deliver that merchandise to whoever they say, and they get a piece of the action. It's a different concept. It's not combining a whole bunch of stores. It's right now, I mean, it's, it's selling merchandise from a whole bunch of different stores. It's also covering the shipping and everything else. So there are a lot of advantages that you which have. So a, a I don't see Shopify and Amazon in the same ballpark, although they not forget the sales, forget the gross that they handle. It's a different concept. The concept is Amazon, if you want to go to Amazon, they'll take care of everything. They don't have it, but they'll get it. They'll ship it in. They cover all of the aspects, getting it out, shipping it, returns the whole bit. So they're a, a full service organization. I don't see the Shopify, and I'm not familiar with Shopify, but that's that's a hard thing to match. Oh, absolutely. I guess really. I don't know if you ever, ever look. Do you have any idea at this? 
the size of the warehouses that what that, that Amazon has. Huge for merchandise, which they know it's going to, which they know sells on a constant basis. Absolutely, they started a million square feet each. Absolutely, you got it. And where do they put it? Somewhere where it's cheap, and where they get an incentive from a from a community to put the warehouse there because it's going to be jobs and it's going to be uh, 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 merchandise and it's going to get some life to the community. So they get all kinds of incentives to put a warehouse where nobody else would put a warehouse. Absolutely. That's all a given. So now in the world of traditional bricks and mortar retail, if there's a 2000 square feet on Main Street that can be purchased for a bargain or potentially... Well, they say purchase for a bargain. What do you mean purchase for a bargain? If it can be, re- if it can be rented, it's a bargain. If it can't be rented, it's no bargain. That's exactly, that's exactly it. So how do we make that assessment is the question. Well, the assessment is hard if the stores have been vacant for a long period of time or the area is on a way is, is, has deteriorated. However, there are certain stores which have had problems because of the COVID that if you give them the opportunity to survive and give them some type of a rent incentive or a job, they'll be, they'll be fine. They'll work out over a period of time. People still need the merchandise. However, the prudent landlord has to make a decision whether or not you want to evict them because they're not paying a rent, which was, which pre, they could previously pay, or you want to keep them on. My, my suggestion is keep them on as long as you can. All right, let's work some kind of a deal. Now, there's another way of working it out. Whatever happened to getting a percentage? Mm. If the sales go good, you get a you get a percentage. So you say to the tenant, "Look, I'm going to give you a reduction in rent, but if your sales go above a certain amount, you give me five percent when a certain percent of your sales when they reach above the level that you needed to survive. So if you're making a profit, I'll give you a benefit. Pay me less rent now, but if you do very well on the uptick, I get more money. I would by all means do whatever you can to keep them in business." Because I, what I do see is if you have vacant stores in a, in a particular area and they're a little, it gets much worse because the area looks terrible. And when people go by, I don't want to shop in an area where five stores are vacant side by side or there are 10 out of a whole block. They like to see something that's striving. So you do what, you do what you can to keep those, those retailers in business. As a landlord, if you are dealing with a lender and you've got loan covenants and all the rest... How do you negotiate loan terms with your lender if your rent is variable? It's the same thing with your lender. You got the same thing. Those lenders are in the same category. They don't want to foreclose. They don't want to take back a, 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 a building or, a, or a, a block where uh, 50% of the stores are vacant or tenants are having a problem. Banks want to get paid. So they have to be flexible too. So it's a situation where there are ample opportunity to negotiate all the way up the line. Because the bank wants to get paid. They can't get paid if the store is vacant and nobody pays. They can't. And the tenant who, who, who agreed to, or the, uh, the borrower who agreed to pay is paying it based upon the fact that I was getting rented for, rent from my tenants. If I don't get rent from my tenants, how can I pay you? And banks will have to work along. Well, they will. So everybody up the chain is going to have to give a bit until there is some degree of recovery, which there will be. Got it. There's no question in my mind there will be a recovery. This is because the, this, the pandemic was artificially induced. It was not a situation where the business, where business was bad. People didn't have money. It wasn't that. This is just something that went across the, 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 the gamut of, of problems. 
totally unforeseen. Not because people didn't want to buy it, they were they had a problem worrying about the, about the illness. Well, we certainly even saw a trend. For example, you talked a little bit at the beginning about specialty shops, and we've seen it in certain sectors like, say, wedding dresses. Uh, people would go to the wedding gallery. They would try on the dress. They know it's going to be altered anyway. So they say, okay, I like the dress. Thanks very much for showing it to me. And they go buy it online for $800 less and take it to the tailor. Well, yeah, but, if, but that, that depends on who, right. who's selling it. You know, it depends on if you, if you want a Vera Wang, you're not going to sure. go in online. So it depends. So it's just a wedding dress. Yes, it could be interchangeable. All right. However, until they figure out where, it's, where they're going to buy it from, they're going to have to go to a store. They're going to buy a, probably some kind of a wedding store or so a retail. And the chances are they will buy it there, have the, the, the uh, uh, alterations done there. Not to save, a, and it also depends on, nobody goes and buys a wedding gown to save a few dollars. It's not there. That's the item you say, all right, I mean, people pay thousands of dollars for one night for a wedding gown. They say, well, if my daughter likes it, that's what I want. So it's, uh, it depends on uh, who, who's buying it and what the, what the purpose is. If it's just an item for a particular point in time and it has no specific meaning, that's easy. Then you can buy it anywhere or do it anywhere. What about the stores that had the warehouse and the retail showroom co-located on the same site? But somebody's got a warehouse, it's somewhere. The question is, you're, you're using space. You're using space for sales and space for warehousing. The closer you put your warehousing to your space for sales, the more expensive it becomes because you're using valuable, you're using valuable space for non-saleable, not, no sales. Although with a warehouse, you can stack things nine levels deep where you can't on the showroom floor. You can stack it nine levels deep, but the question is how close is it to your, your sales, your point of sale? If it's close to your point of sale, then you, it becomes more valuable. If, on the other hand, there's a delay in getting it from the warehouse to the, to the point of sale, that's a problem. You'll have to wait two days. Most I don't want to wait two days. If you have to wait 15 minutes, maybe. So the concept has been utilized uh, in, many, in many stores, some of them very successfully, some of them not so successfully. And uh, depending on what you're selling and the price that you're selling it at and how easily you can handle it, it works. I somehow can't see... Somebody showing uh, 40 different uh, models of TVs that are 70 inches wide and having them shipped from the, have them from the warehouse into your store so people can look at it. I can see it being in the store so that they can pick out the model they want or the manufacturer they want, but not transporting it from a, a warehouse to the point of sale. I love my conversations with George. At 92 years of age, he's one of the wisest men that I know. He has a tremendous amount of perspective. He's extremely learned. He stays current on what's happening in the world, not just by watching what's on the news, but also through conversations with insiders, folks that really know what's happening on the inside of some of the top echelons of business in the world. Doesn't mean that George is right or that he's wrong. He just has a unique perspective, and I value that unique window into the world. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.